Hey, everyone. I am excited once again for the podcast today. And today's guest is somebody I have really admired from afar. We've had the privilege of connecting mostly virtually, but Deanne Turner is just a remarkable leader. You probably are familiar with her name. She is a 33-year veteran of Chick-fil-A Incorporated. And uh, I'm pretty sure you need no introduction to Chick-fil-A, but um, Deanne spent uh, 33 years there, and prior to retirement last year, she was the vice president of talent and vice president of sustainability. She was the company's first female officer and was instrumental in building and growing Chick-fil-A's well-known culture and talent systems. So if you've ever been on the receiving end of It's My Pleasure from a Chick-fil-A employee, uh, Deanne has had a significant amount of influence in helping shape that culture. And so um, she led talent management, staff learning and development, diversity and inclusion, culture and engagement, all the subjects that you guys know I am so deeply passionate about. And it's my absolute honor to have Deanne with us here today. So Deanne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jenny. It's really my pleasure to be with you today. <laughs> that's the per perfect phrase, right? So, yes, and that just rolls out. You don't even know you say it anymore, do you? No, and it's it's kind of funny around our house, too, because my children grew up learning to say it, too, so we're just a it's-my-pleasure kind of family all the time. I love it. I so love it, and I didn't say you you are the author of the best-selling book, It's My Pleasure, and then you have a new book releasing this fall. Is that right? I sure do. It's called Bet on Talent how to create a remarkable culture and win the hearts of customers. And so just quickly um, about that book, it's kind of interesting. My original publisher of It's My Pleasure went out of business. And so Baker Books bought the right to, rights to It's My Pleasure and asked okay. me to expand it. And um, so it is, It's My Pleasure was released in 2015. So we'll be four years later releasing bet on talent and it's an expanded version of that book so a lot of things that people enjoyed about the first book is still there mm -hmm. but it's also updated information and additional stories and concepts that I think um, readers who've read the original will enjoy and readers who've not read the original I think they will um, find a better book so I hope that um, lots of people will find some great information for their organizations in bet on talent. Love it. Love it. I can't wait for that. And we'll be sure we'll give you guys a little more of a heads up on that uh, as we as we talk and in, in the show notes and things. But you, so you retired last year and uh, started your own organization. You're writing, you're speaking, you're consulting and coaching leaders. How's life on the other side of retirement? Oh, I have to say it's pretty fantastic. <laughs> you know, I watch your Instagram and I'm like, oh, I, I kind of... <laughs> I think I like this, you know, now Instagram always gives us the, uh, you know, the highlight reel, but I'm like, okay, I'm like, I love, I'm liking her pace right now. Yeah, I have to say it was the bit, it was one of the biggest decisions that I ever made. In fact, I laughed when I told people and I said, it took me longer to decide to retire from Chick-fil-A than it did um, to marry my husband. And that's lasted almost 36 years. So that was a good decision that I made more quickly than this one. But um, it was really hard because I was very entrenched. I had spent my entire adult life yeah. at Chick-fil-A and I, I loved the people and obviously the culture and the organization. Uh, but I felt like God had really been um, helping me build an off, what I call the off ramp the last three years. Sure. And um, I'd had a tremendous opportunity to lead in the area of talent 
um, for many, many years, over 20 years, I led that function for the organization. And three years ago, I moved to launch and lead our social responsibility sustainability function. And I loved that work too, and it had great purpose in it, but God really made me for the work of culture and talent. And so Mm -hmm. I told people I was doing what God gave me to do until I could do what he made me to do. And when I had the opportunity um, to really move back into that, uh, I just felt like it was a calling from him. And so it felt like this giant leap of faith, but it's been confirmed every single day. And I continue to miss the people from Chick-fil-A because they're so unique and special. I miss them every day, especially Mm -hmm. Chick-fil-A franchisees who um, are rock stars to me. But I I have to say, I've enjoyed all the people that I'm getting to know, all the businesses that I get to interact with and other organizations from churches to nonprofits to um, even individuals just trying to um, get their individual entrepreneurs trying to get their organization going so it's been a it's been a great move so far and on top of everything else I have tremendous flexibility I have to say I'm enjoying being my own boss good for you good for you yeah that's exciting I mean it but I can't imagine 33 years first of all thanks for demonstrating that kind of longevity and commitment because I think you know we live in an age where everything is, everything's moving so quickly and we change jobs more frequently than ever before. And there's something to be said for that kind of commitment and longevity. And obviously you didn't, you know, you, you stayed sharp and committed because the growth trajectory of Chick-fil-A was phenomenal anyway. And to, to keep pace with that probably required a lot of self-discipline and commitment to growth. And uh, so anyway, thank you for just demonstrating what, you know, what, what it looks like to lead with longevity. So I just, I think that's pretty remarkable. Well, I appreciate that. But I have to tell you, when you work in an organization like Chick-fil-A, it doesn't feel like 33 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, most, some of those years, uh, you know, the some of them, I could say that, you know, the years were short and the days were long, right? for sure. Right. But, uh, but most, all of it was just, it was just a, a, a tremendous honor and privilege for me to do it. So great. So great. Well, talk to me about this for a minute. You're, I mean, you're known for your expertise in talent and culture. That's obviously a big passion point for you, but I'm kind of curious where that developed. Like, where did you kind of originally develop this passion for talent and culture? When did you realize that these are, uh, you, I think you call them the most important differentiators of a business? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I did not start out there. I had no idea. I was a journalism major in college, and I really wanted to be a writer. Oh. And as I was getting out of school, I realized a couple of things. Um, first of all, I did not have enough life experience to write about anything that was going to be interesting to anyone. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I just felt like I wasn't there. And the second thing that I really came to realize is the kind of uh, work that I wanted to do. I really couldn't make a living at it. Um, very difficult. So I went the advertising route. That was where I was headed to use my journalism skills. Yeah. And I worked very briefly for an advertising firm. And I started applying to Chick-fil-A, mainly at the urging of my husband. He was a pastor in his church was right down the street from Chick-fil-A. Okay. And, and he had had some experience with the um, corporate office there. And he kept uh, we had members of our church that were there and he kept saying, you really need to apply. So I finally did. And I was applying all along for a position in advertising. And to make a long story short, I got into my last um, interview with them. And the, the guy who was the vice president of HR at the time said, well, 
um, I have a job in my department. If you're interested, why don't you think about it over the weekend and let me know. Mm-hmm. And um, I decided that, you know, I, I struggled between the two. And then I said, you know, those people in HR are really nice. Well, of course they are. They're paid to be nice. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I'm, I think I'll enjoy working with them for a little while. It'll be something new. I always like, I like new and exciting challenges. And so I thought, oh, it'll be something new. And in a couple of years, I'll know exactly where the jobs in marketing are and I'll go to work in marketing. Right. And I never did. Um, but those skills were very, are very helpful in the talent world as well. But yes. once I got into it, the other big conflict I had early in my career was that, that I went to a Christian college and married a pastor. And mm-hmm. I really felt like I was going to work for a few years and then I was going to be in full-time ministry with my husband oh, and sure. raising a family. You know, I was going to be the yeah. preacher's wife. Yeah. And I, um, so I had been in my job a few years and I was feeling a little bit like I had let God down. Like wow. I wasn't in ministry, yeah. but then I realized that my calling was to help other people find and live their calling. Love it. And when that hit me that that was my purpose and that was what I was doing, that's where that passion came from. And because it felt like a God breathed, God inspired mission that I was on. And I took it with that kind of responsibility that, you know, this was a call from God. And, and, uh, I really, you know, felt like that was what I was supposed to do. So, you know, I would say that was probably my mid twenties when I mm-hmm. finally realized that. So good. I love how you said too, that it was kind of that identification that it, your calling was to help other people find and develop their calling. Gosh, that's so critical. And I love that you even, you know, you said it was probably your mid twenties, but what a foundation for the rest of your leadership journey. Cause I'm sure that like sense of calling was so critical throughout your journey of, you know, I mean, Chick-fil-A is a wonderful organization, but like any organization, it has its good and it's bad. And, you know, there are good seasons and there are bad seasons, you know, economics and all kinds of things playing into it. And uh, I'm sure that that just kind of sense of purpose really became an anchor in the work you did and, you know, the assignments you took throughout the, the course of your career there too. Well, one of the things that Truett Cathy, um, Chick fil A's founder, really taught me very early on and continued to teach me literally until right before he died. He had the same conversation with me. Mm-hmm. People decisions are the most important decisions that a leader makes. Oh, and, yeah. and that statement stayed with me through my whole career because in, in, in our business, the most important of those people decisions were who we gave the keys to the restaurant to. Mm-hmm. Because when you think about it, that franchisee that Chick-fil-A selects to go into that community, I mean, mm-hmm. it impacts, obviously, the community. That, that person's responsible for maintaining the good name that Truett Cathy built, that mm-hmm. the brand that Chick-fil-A has built. And they have responsibility for hundreds of employees and thousands upon thousands of guests who... Um, support that restaurant. So in our business, that was definitely the most, that is definitely the most important decision. And um, I, and again, took that very, very seriously, but everything that go that comes from that decision is, it's the selection. It's who you promote. It's how you compensate people. It's mm-hmm. how you develop and grow them. It can even be how you exit them from the organization. Yes. All those decisions really determine the culture of the organization, which is the health of the organization. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So talk a little bit about that, you know, and obviously that, that sounds like it was a heartbeat of 
was a heartbeat of Truett. And then, you know, that, that really set the culture early on. Um, but a lot of times when I'm working with clients on talent and culture type of things, they get frustrated because this isn't overnight work either. So if you, you know, if maybe your culture isn't as strong or healthy, or you haven't had the focus on talent in the way that, you know, you guys, uh, you know, you would, you would recommend, I see leaders get frustrated because that process is, it's just, it's just more complicated. It takes a little bit more time. I always say it's just patient, persistent work to, to, especially to course correct if your, you know, your culture is not as healthy as it ought to be. Can you give us some insight on how to stay the course and be patient with this work? Like, what are you, what do you uh, coach organizations on when it comes to um, kind of writing the shift talent and culture? Um, so, the first, you know, one of the first things I think about when you talk about how long it takes, I, in the very ending of Bet on Talent, I wrote in there, it took me about 50,000 words, what it took 50 years to create. Uh, it's funny you asked me that question, because you obviously yeah. haven't read the book yet. <laughs> right. um, but but uh, it, it does take a long, long time. And we were very fortunate in our organization that Truett started from the very beginning of leading that way. So one of the greatest challenges is when an organization has to transform their culture. And um, my recommendation is, it, is, first of all, do be patient because it takes a long time um, either to create from the beginning or to transform it. But I always start with decide what your why is. Mm -hmm. Determine the reason you're in business or your organization exists at all. Um, Simon Sinek, of course, wrote a great book called Start With Why, and that really is the place to start because that everything else you do to create a culture or to transform a culture will build on that important step of why are we here at all? Mm -hmm. um, that happened for Chick-fil-A when in 1982, for the first time ever, uh, Truett had had restaurants since 1946, but in 1982, he had the first slump in sales ever. Hmm. And he also had built the new corporate headquarters that was just south of the airport in Atlanta. So here was a man who was heavily in debt and was experiencing a sales slump. And they had to figure out what they were going to do as an organization. And they went away on retreat and talked about this issue. And a lot of companies at that point, what they'll do is they'll, um, you know, they'll uh, cut costs, they'll cut the budgets, they'll have a reduction uh, enforce, do all of those things. And Chick-fil-A, I'm sure these leaders talked about that for the first half of the first day of this retreat. But in the middle of the day, they asked themselves, wait a minute, why are we here at all? And they spent the two, the next two and a half days talking and answering that question. Mm -hmm. And what they came back with is that Chick-fil-A's purpose was to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us and a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. And so knowing their why made the difference for everything. In fact, the staff yeah. liked it so much that they carved that um, quote, or they carved the purpose in bronze and put it on a granite slab right there in front of the building so that as wow. they came to work every day, they mm -hmm. would know the exact reason they were there. As, as franchisees came to visit, they would understand why Chick-fil-A was in business. If guests came to visit, they would see the same thing. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, the real question is, was it actionable? Did it make any difference? Hmm. Well, it's 2019. Mm -hmm. And since 1982, Chick-fil-A has never had another slump in sales. In fact, most wow. years they've had double digit increases in sales. 
And in amazing. Tw- at the end of 2018, they uh, exceeded their 2020 goal by two years to achieve $10 billion in, in revenues. Uh, they became debt-free in 2012. And as an HR person, probably the thing that excites me most in all of those years, the retention rates of both corporate staff and franchisees have remained around 95%. Wow. So knowing your why makes a huge difference. And I think for organizations who are, you know, are feeling that impatience, if they can start there and really focus on that and don't even worry about all the other elements that create a remarkable culture, but start there, focus on that, um, and, and really uh, be sure that that's integrated well into the organization and people know it, and then you're ready to move on to the next steps. Yeah, wow, that's powerful. And I think, I, you know, what would you say is the key to, I mean, so they obviously, they, and, I mean, they put, they engraved it, you know, it was visible, it was right in front, which I think is a key step. But what, what else did they do to make sure that they were really embedding that why, that purpose into the organization? So it wasn't just something that hung on the wall and wasn't operationalized, but it really became the heartbeat. Well, of course, the most important thing, I think, is when leadership demonstrates it. Sure. And Truett Cathy and the other leaders that he surrounded himself with, you know, they, they took that as a, you know, it was, it was personal. It was a calling, mm-hmm. as we talked about earlier. And, you know, it, when you think about it, um, and Truett used to always say, we're not in the chicken business, we're in the people business. Mm-hmm. But when you think about it, you know, I couldn't, have, I'm sorry, I couldn't have worked for a company for 33 years if our whole mission was around selling chicken, great chicken, but <laughs> it's right, just sure. not motivating, right? Yes. But what kept me there for 33 years was that chicken was just a means to an end of influencing and impacting lives. Right. And when you saw that demonstrated, you know, as an example, Chick-fil-A gave away, I, I think I had this number right, somewhere in the neighborhood of 14 or $15 million in scholarships wow. um, this past year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those types of things that are, ch- are, are making an impact, changing somebody's life. Um, when you see that demonstrated and that's part of your corporate purpose, those things match up. Mm-hmm. Then it then it becomes ingrained in people, and they realize that's really that's really the truth. It's not just some statement, but right. when you see it lived out day in and day out by leadership and others in the organization, then you know it's for real. Yeah, it's so good. In uh, in the, your book, it's my pleasure. You talk about the importance of purpose, and then also mission, core values, guiding principles. Can you share a little bit more about those and then what we as leaders can do to establish those in our organizations? Um, Well, guiding principles, I think that uh, part of where that starts or where it started for us, you know, I think Truett had the original one where he said, you know, we'll be closed on Sunday. And that's a long story in itself, but it it started with that where there are things that um, the way we developed them, they were, they weren't, necessarily the core values they were something different than that they were these things that you decided are part of your organization and they stay forever Mm -hmm. and so closed on sunday was one of them um being privately held and family owned uh, that was a great story about chick-fil-a because they um the second generation came in and made a written covenant before Truett died and said we'll we'll pick this up and we will continue that that is a principle of this organization Mm -hmm. we can we feel like we can impact lives better 
by being privately held than we could if we were a public company. Mm-hmm. Um, another big turning point that, that became adopted as a guiding principle was the um, idea of make second mile second nature. Uh-huh. And the story behind that uh, is many guiding principles in an organization come when you have a challenge. Mm-hmm. And the challenge for Chick-fil-A was that, well, I have to say they weren't as good. There were a few other organizations that were copying uh, Chick-fil-A sandwich. One of them even called it a Southern fried sandwich and put two pickle slices on it. <laughs> and and uh, as, as you know, you realize you're vulnerable there, that other people can copy your products. So what differentiates you? And so Chick-fil-A began to really put a focus on service. Mm -hmm. And um, the biblical principle behind that was, of course, um, from Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. And when Jesus said, you know, if someone asks you to go the first mile, then go the second. And and that was the whole idea. First mile service is getting the order correct and with reasonable friendly service in a reasonable amount of time. But second mile service was competitive advantage. Uh And the really neat thing was, is that when the team members, when operators taught their team members this principle and then freed them up to apply it, that's the difference between principles and rules. You know, mm-hmm. if you create a rule and, you'll, and you say second mile service is this, you must do this. Mm-hmm. But if you create a principle and you teach them the lesson as they did behind the principle and you set them free to, to apply the principle, well, all of a sudden, they were out, you know, team members were outdoing each other on random, I wouldn't say random, but intentional acts of kindness for mm-hmm. guests. And it yeah. was everything from changing tires in the parking lot and jumping off batteries to driving wallets and purses 25 miles out of the way to return it to a guest and dumpster diving for discarded <laughs> dental appliances and um, wow. to getting a boat to a customer in the middle of a hurricane because their house was flooded. You know, it's, oh just, my gosh. Yeah. it's been amazing when you set principles for yes. people instead of giving them rules um, and, and free them up to apply them. They do some pretty amazing things. Oh, that right there, the principles versus rules is so like, oh, I hope like everybody kind of grasps that because it is it's it's a subtlety in, in the, the framing but it just released, it unleashes people in amazing ways. And I love that you just kind of rattled off a handful of those stories of ways that that played itself out um, and continues to obviously within the yeah. Chick-fil-A culture. So significant. Awesome. So those guiding, well, how are the guiding principles, how do guiding principles and core values, or how do those interplay? Well, I think that um, they're certainly related to one another. The difference I see with core values, and this actually has happened at Chick-fil-A, Core values can change. So sure. we're kind of skipping around here, but I have this recipe for a remarkable culture. Mm-hmm. Let me back up just a moment and yeah. tell you what those elements are and how I think they work together. So we talked about the first one is, a, is purpose. You got to start with your why. Mm-hmm. The second one is a meaningful mission, a challenging mission that everyone can rally around to achieve. And the imp- and that's the what are we in business to do? What is, what is our organization going to do? And the interesting thing about a mission is, is that hopefully, I mean, the plan is you achieve it. And once you achieve it, then you have to set a new mission. So your mission changes. Purpose, your why, usually never does. Mm-hmm. But the mission will change as you accomplish each one. Right. And then uh, the third element that I talk about in this recipe are the core values. Mm-hmm. And Core values are those behaviors that really are how we live out 
um, the, the purpose and mission, but I do think they can change from time to time for whatever reason. So if I use Chick-fil-A as an example, when Truett passed away in 2014, um, lots of change happened. Now that's not necessarily bad. There's just a lot of cultural change because that's what happens when you have an iconic founder of a business and um, who passes away. And it has to be very intentional of the organization to prepare for that, such as Chick-fil-A did. And so within a year of Truett's passing, we obviously had a new CEO. We had a new president. We had a new executive committee. We had a new board of directors. Mm-hmm. We had a new dress code. We tore down the walls to have free address remote workspace. Uh, we changed menu items. You're getting the idea. I can wow. go on for quite yeah. some time. Yeah. And one of the things we actually changed was the core values mm-hmm. because the, the original core values were true. It's core values, excellence, integrity, generosity, and loyalty. And those things are very much embedded in who the organization of Chick-fil-A is. Right. But we had new leaders who had to embrace their new set of values. And so they became, we're here to serve, which is also now true. Um, we're better together. We're purpose-driven. And we pursue what's next, which is specifically a nod to innovation, mm-hmm. which was, was a newer uh, piece that came with new leadership. So that's yeah. one of the things with values. I don't think, in my, in my opinion, when you teach those principles, they stay with you. But values as leadership changes, as the organization changes, sometimes you don't necessarily abandon the old ones, but it's time to add and adopt some new ones to focus on. Yeah, yeah. And then I've experienced that as well in that sometimes the core values, once we've focused on them for, you know, sometimes decades, but they become so so much a part of who we are that you can raise kind of some new ones that are more critical in this season. And it's not that you've abandoned excellence and these other things. It's that they just become such a core part of who you are. They don't necessarily need to be raised, you know, as core values in the same way that they did in a previous season. Is that that accurate? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah. I love that. So we've got to wait a little bit because uh, I, it's my pleasure is it, uh, you like, there's not many left, right? Uh, no, there, there's not supposed for the new book. <laughs> yeah. I, I think as of today, um, there are a few that are left on Amazon. They got in one last order, I believe from the distributor, okay. um, before the, before there was a stop sales. Um, and so it'll be a little while between now and September the 3rd when bet on talent. Uh, releases, but um, hopefully, hopefully it'll be good enough. It'll make up for the wait. Oh, it'll be great. It'll be great. We'll be looking for that and we'll make sure we alert everybody too when the new book is, is coming out. Um, Okay. Couple, just little last minute, last little fun questions for you. What's your, uh, what's your, what do you order when you go to Chick-fil-A? What's your favorite menu item? What do I love to order? What should I order? (laughs) Uh, Let's do love. And I'll disclose mine too. Okay. Well, I have to admit that I am a traditional Chick-fil-A lover, I guess, growing up and eating at Chick-fil-A ever since I was a, a little girl. So a number one is, is the one that I love to order, but unfortunately yes. I have to go with grilled chicken sandwich most of the time. <laughs> I love it. Well, I was going to say, I love the number one with extra pickles. So that is, oh, yeah. that is my choice. However, most of the time I go for the grilled wrap because... That feels like a 
feels like my healthier choice. But I yeah. love one of the things I do love about Chick Fil A is there are good healthy options on the menu. So they 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 uh, they do a good job of of making those options available. Uh, okay, last question for you. Uh, what is your favorite tool to keep you focused and organized? Well, you know, for a long time I went with, um, especially because in our organizational culture, it, we were very focused. We, we used to say an app a day keeps complacency away. And so <laughs> we were very, uh, we're very technical driven, technologically driven at Chick-fil-A. And even before I retired, we'd gone totally paperless. I didn't even have an office, so I had no paper. Wow. Um, and did yeah. everything digitally. But I have to say that now that uh, I'm back on my own again, I really love to, to look at things. So I use Michael Hyatt's planner. Uh, and yeah, yeah I, I just love that tool in terms of, and I, I still have everything digitally on my calendar and so forth, but there's just something about um, being able to open that up. And especially with all my speaking engagements and look at a month at a time mm -hmm. and, um, be able to doodle little notes on there. So that's really helped me um, yeah. as I, um, it, and it helps me prioritize and focus, but I think it's the writer in me that still enjoys some hard copy every once in a while. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I've tried to really push myself and I'm pretty digital on most things, but there's, a, you know, it could be, it could just be that writer, you know, nature that I still, you know, I, even as we sit here, I have scribbles of notes, you know, I have, printed, you know, handout of my questions, but then I've scribbled notes all over it because as I'm talking and as I'm processing, I, that's just, it's just the way I work. So, so fun. Well, Deanne, what's the best way for us to stay connected with you? Sure. There's lots of ways. First of all, my website is Deanne, D-E-E-A-N-N, Turner.com. Pretty simple. Mm -hmm. And that's all the ways you can find me everywhere else too. So on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook author, and um, LinkedIn are all at Deanne Turner. Awesome. Perfect. Well, congrats uh, in advance on the new book. I know you've already done all the heavy lifting of the, the writing and editing and so forth. So uh, we're so looking forward to hearing more from you with the new book. And uh, we'll be sure to like, create all the links and connections in the show notes so people know how to stay connected with you. Deanne, thank you so much for joining us, for hanging out with us. Thank you for all the work you've done um, and just helping create uh, great cultures, investing in leaders, particularly through Chick-fil-A, but now through the work you're doing with your company, your investment in talent and team culture is such a gift to all of us. So we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jenny. It's been great to be with you. Thank you for listening to the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions, please email Jenny at podcast at get the number four site.com. If this content has helped you in any way, we would love for you to share this podcast with your friends and on social networks. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing content coming from the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast. Your comments mean the world to us, so please rate and leave comments on our podcast. And remember, you need foresight for success. We will see you next time.